0: We heard last week um, from someone whose 20 year old friend Catherine was on a hiking trip in New York State. They were exploring caves. One moment she was radiantly alive, then she slipped and fell 150 foot to her death one can imagine the pain of the parents of the boyfriend of other friends although i suspect that one needs to have experienced something like that oneself to really know what they're going through and it sent me into one of those ecclesiastes moods for those of you who don't know the book of ecclesiastes in the bible in the old testament it is well worth reading but not when you're depressed it speaks of the futility and the pointlessness of life if this what we see what we hear what we taste what we smell what we touch if this is all that there is to life then it is meaningless all is vanity says the philosopher and for some people and there's no reason to think that we have any get out of jail card free pass to avoid this for some people life can go very wrong that is what happened to this man who was crucified with jesus we we don't know much about him tradition gives him a name dismas He was almost certainly quite young. He may have been a slave. Maybe there was a woman, and if so, there probably would have been a baby or young child. It appears that he had been involved in some petty uprising. In view of what he says later, it doesn't seem to have been a particularly noble cause, a cause that was worth dying for. Maybe he was a bit of a hothead, he was out with the lads, carried along by them and their ideas, maybe things had got out of hand, somebody had been killed, he had killed someone, and then he'd not been as cautious as his mates. Perhaps he'd been betrayed, we don't know, but he'd been picked up by the Roman security forces, and he'd been sentenced to death. Not any normal death, but death by crucifixion. Crucifixion was not a pleasant process. Tom Holland in his book, Dominion, writes, exposed to public view like slabs of meat hung from a market stall, troublesome slaves were nailed to crosses. No death was more excruciating, more contemptible than crucifixion. To be hung naked, long in agony, swelling with ugly wheels on shoulders and chest, helpless to beat away the clamorous birds. Such a fate, Roman intellectuals agreed, was the worst imaginable. This in turn was what rendered it so suitable a punishment for slaves. So now he hangs there in agony, waiting to die, naked, shamed in front of the crowd, mocked by the soldiers, no doubt. Maybe his wife, maybe his parents are in the crowd. They want to be there for him, but I suspect they weren't there. They just wouldn't have been able to bear to watch. What is life all about? As a pastor when I was in England um, uh, I have sat beside the bed of many people who were dying. Some were old and were longing to die but death wouldn't come. Some were young with small children and even despite medication were going through dreadful pain and yet were still trying to hold on. Some had had dreams that were never fulfilled. They'd always wanted to be married, to have children, to do a particular job, to go somewhere, to be someone. But it didn't work out. Some had been through hell, struggling with mental illness or with desperate multiple tragedy in their life. I remember in my last year in Bury St. Edmunds, visiting one older man. His wife had died His first daughter had died, and I was going round to see him because his second and only surviving daughter had just died. You can see what I mean about going into an Ecclesiastes moment. What is it all about? Is life, in the words of Ernst Hemingway, nothing but a dirty trick, a short trip from nothingness to nothingness? Are we, like Dismas, just pieces of meat that can be hung up? Are we freakish beings created through the chaos of random mutations who have developed consciousness and find ourselves able to ask such questions? Are we the temporary combination of zillions of atoms colliding together in an instant of time governed by unexplainable patterns that we like to call laws, now here, now gone? Maybe Dismas was thinking about such things, but I doubt it. The excruciating pain of crucifixion would have made it hard for him to think of anything apart from the instant and the desperate desire for the mercy of oblivion. And there will, but there will have been moments when the pain relented sufficiently for him to have flashes of clarity. At first there was the resistance, the blaming of others, the cursing of God, of the world, the the, uh, cursing of whatever was there that could be cursed. We're told in the other Gospels that both the criminals at first join in with the mocking of Jesus. If you are the Messiah, the King of the Jews, save yourself and us. But then something happened. God knows what. Because as the other criminal continues to mock Jesus, save yourself and us. Dismas becomes silent something changes he challenges the other and he cries out Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom he sees himself suddenly with crystal clear clarity He has been mocking Jesus, but he is the one who has made a mockery of the life that God has given him. He has wasted it. He has spat in the face of God and in the face of people. He has intentionally, or maybe and more likely thoughtlessly, because it seemed cool, destroyed others. He has broken the hearts of those who love him and abandoned those who are dependent on him. He realises that he is not a victim. He has only himself to blame for being where he is. Listen to his words that he says to the other criminal. We indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for for our deeds. He sees himself. And he sees Jesus. Last week um, Alison and myself were in Kiev and we were at the Anglican Church there and um, I spoke briefly with a young woman who has recently returned from the UK to Ukraine. She'd been in Kiev last Christmas and went along to the Anglican Church's carol service there because she said it was something to do and a place to meet people. She made no claim to have any faith. But it did mean when she returned to Kiev uh, a couple of months ago and she was desperate, she went back to the church and this time she met Jesus. And everything she said changed. She suddenly saw the world in a new light. And Dismas sees Jesus with new eyes. He realizes that this Jesus, who is hanging on the cross beside him, who has been stripped of all that he has, who is being mocked by the leaders, by the soldiers, by the other criminal, is different. He realizes that he is innocent maybe he doesn't quite get what paul describes about jesus in that glorious reading from colossians which speaks of jesus as Pan- Pantocrator, the ruler of all the one who is in all glory the one who has created all things and for whom all things exist but he realizes and this must have hit him like a train He realises that the one who he is mocking as Messiah is in fact Messiah. The one who he is mocking as being unable to save himself could save himself. And the reason, the reason he's not saving himself is so that he can save others. It is often said, it was not the nails that held jesus to the cross but his love jesus the messiah the king identifies himself with criminals with sinners in order to save sinners he identifies himself with us he takes onto himself the penalty that each of us should pay He dies for our sins. He becomes sin for us, in the words of 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so by his death, he saves us. And Dismas cries out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's an astonishing statement of faith. Jesus. He's crying out to the crucified Jesus as Messiah. He's crying out to Jesus as the person who will rule as God's king. He's crying out that Jesus is the king who will establish and rule over God's kingdom. And he calls out to him. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, which speaks of the name of Jesus. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Why? Well, the word in itself is not able to save, but the one who we are calling on the one who is the eternal son of God who died for us and rose again two thousand years ago the one who answers to that name is able to save and whether we are calling him from the agony of the cross from the wonder of looking at the scars stars at night from the despair of abandonment or from under the pillow when the alarm has just gone off at some unearthly hour in the morning it makes no difference if we call on him he will come to us and save us Jesus remember me remember me he's declaring his faith that Jesus is bigger than death I don't think Dismas was expecting Jesus to be rescued from the cross. Not at this point anyway. And there would have been no point in asking Jesus to remember him if death was the end. So he must have assumed that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Again I think of Romans 10:9 when Paul says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. For Dismas, it was an astonishing act of faith that was based on the promises of the Old Testament that God would not allow his anointed one to suffer corruption, to suffer death. For us, it's easier to grasp because we live after the resurrection. The first Christians saw the risen Jesus. They spoke with him. They had fish supper with him. Their lives were transformed and we have their testimony, their witness, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, Dismas here declares his hope in the coming kingdom of God. This is the kingdom about which the prophets spoke Jeremiah. We had that glorious passage which we read uh, Which Nicolette read to us speaks of a faithful shepherd a faithful king who will establish justice and righteousness in the land Isaiah speaks of a king who will bring in a new order there will be harmony Creation will be at peace with itself. The wolf and the lamb, the leopard and the kid, the calf and the lion will live together and they'll be led by a little child. There will be abundance, the land will be fruitful and there will be no more hunger or famine. There will be laughter and joy and no more weeping. There will be peace and no more war. Fulfillment and no more frustration. Healing and no more sickness or disability. Life and no more death. And it is the resurrection of Jesus, his victory over death, his kingship and the coming kingdom, which gives us hope. So remember in your Ecclesiastes moments, Remember that we live in a fallen world, and this life might go all wrong for us, and it might go wrong for others who we love. It may feel empty and meaningless. We may experience bitter bereavement. We may face cruel disappointment or be cast aside. We may suffer immense tragedy. We may be completely crushed or find ourselves in the pit of despair. We may, like Jesus, be stripped of all that we have, be shamed and mocked and tortured. We may at times long for death. And yes, if this world is all that there is, my brothers and sisters, it is meaningless. But this world is not all that there is. There is Jesus. Our hope is in him in the resurrection from the dead and in the fact that he is king and he is coming with his kingdom he is with us now and one day he will return and we and all will see him his kingdom does begin in the hearts and minds of those who turn to him today his kingdom can begin in our hearts and minds now but one day it will come in its fullness and as people who call on jesus this is what keeps us going this is our hope that one day one day we will be with him in paradise the story is told of the preacher who was speaking to his congregation jesus he said said to the penitent criminal on the cross you will be with me in paradise Do you want to hear him say what he said to him? Do you want to hear him say that to you? And all the congregation responded, yes. It was one of those sorts of congregations. All of them, apart from one man who said, no. And the preacher said to him, don't you want to go to paradise? And the man said, of course I want to go to paradise. And the preacher said then, well, don't you, why didn't you say yes to my question? Do you want to hear what Jesus, do you want to hear Jesus say to you what he said to Dismas? To which the man replied, I want to hear those words. You will be with me in paradise. But I'd prefer he didn't begin it by saying today. Well, whenever it is, today or in 60 years' time, if you're prepared to identify yourself with Dismas, to recognise that you are a sinner, and to take responsibility for your own sin, not blame others. And if you're prepared to cry out to Jesus, to the risen Jesus, to King Jesus for mercy, then because he died for us, because he identified himself with us sinners, because he did not save himself, the words that he spoke to Dismas are words that are spoken to us. You will be. You will be with me in paradise.